podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi everyone, it's Cammy here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Heart and Hand. If you happen to listen to the shows on the Apple, Android or Spotify platforms, could you please give Heart and Hand a follow on there? They may also ask you to write a wee review and if you could write us a really good one, we would massively appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your extra show for the week and my name is Cameron Bell. I'm your host as always and joining me on this week's extra and it's uh, been a bit of a late recording for us so I have to give him thanks right from the outset is my very good friend Colin McMillan. Colin, we are recording this on the very early hours of Thursday morning. I am not long back from Kilmarnock and uh, I won't lie, my voice is shot to pieces but I give absolutely no apologies for it. Rangers made me do it. Um, in order to watch the game, you had to take a short holiday. You're obviously now back in the country. Welcome back. Um, as the great Alec Ferguson once said, football, eh? Bloody hell. Yes, yes. It's good to be back for my little trip. Um, I've got you 20 fags and a bottle of Perno. <laughs> I, I sound like I've been smoking them already. <laughs> I'll drop them off for you. But yeah, oh, what a night. Um, listen, there's... There's a couple of things that have to happen for teams to win league titles. You need to go out and destroy teams on a weekly basis. You need to play really, really good football. You need to win matches. But there's another big thing you need to do, and it's overcome adversity. You need to be able to pull results out of the bag when it's not your night, when you're not playing well, when maybe the, the team selection hasn't been quite right. You've got to be able to make those changes. You've got to stand up. You've got to come from behind. And you've got to sometimes just get a game over the line. And we knew that this Rangers team under the new manager, well, not new manager now, but under the current manager, was capable of good things. We haven't really seen them coming back like this, uh, recovering from adversity in a massive game with massive consequences to keep us top of the league. We have seen that tonight now, and it's absolutely huge, Cammy. This is going to be a game that you look back on, hopefully, at the end of the season and pinpoint it as one of the cornerstones of uh, Title 56, I think. Yeah, listen, I really think so. I think the the interesting thing for me, Colin, and we're going to obviously break down um, the, the win against Kilmarnock and, and probably do so fairly honestly, I think. Because to your point, I don't think that it's unfair to criticise the team and the manager for what we saw in the first half. Um, but absolutely, praise on both for the second half. Um you make a great point there, and I want to I want to talk about this kind of later on as well because as much as I don't like to, we have to briefly mention what happened uh, over at their place uh, on Wednesday night. Um, there's something about this Rangers team which I think this was a really big test of character, and I'm going to put something to you right from the outset. I don't like putting guests on the spot, but you're a, you're a seasoned podder, so you know what you're talking about. Was this, for you, more satisfying than a 5-0 win over Hearts? I, I celebrated the goals tonight more than I celebrated the goals against Hearts. So what does that tell you, I guess? <laughs> um, Hearts, was a, Hearts was a more enjoyable game. Um, I certainly came out of Ibrooks a little bit calmer 
and um, my Apple Watch wasn't going off until me to check my heart rate a couple of times during the Hearts game. It was quite calm, quite chilled. I got the early goal, played some lovely stuff, and it was just very, very enjoyable. This one kind of took you through the emotions, didn't it? I had the fear at halftime, um, come halftime, Cammy. I didn't think we were going to be able to get it back. All this, all the old fears, all the old sort of tropes about us choking in the big games, going to Kilmarnock and letting the pitch beat us where we play on it, all that sort of stuff was in my head at halftime. We came out and we totally changed it around and I went crazy for the two goals. And then at full time, I did just get this sort of feeling coming over me that this is huge, this is massive, this is a, another sort of corner turn, this is a real road on the way to to the to the title. So, yeah, I probably did enjoy it more tonight. It probably did mean more um, because Saturday was just all joy from start to finish. This one t- brought me down and then it brought me massively, massively up. So I think it just edges it because of that. Yeah, I was thinking about that as I was, as I was coming back to West Lothian tonight was just... They're so satisfying in different ways. And you're mentioning about, you know, you didn't feel <laughs> under any real degrees of pressure because we, we you know, did excellently against Hearts. Um, I'll be honest with you, I think I aged about 15 years uh, whilst I was in Ayrshire um, one Wednesday night. But it's just, it's just what happened, right? Because this is part of being able to try and, and, and win this league. Now, we're obviously going to have to have a chat about the manager's starting lineup. So before we get into what transpired, I want to kind of take you up to probably about 7.45. When you saw the team, the obvious change was was uh, Borna Barisic coming in at left-back for Ridvan Yilmaz. I know that you are a huge, huge Ridvan Yilmaz fanboy, so I'm going to assume that you're probably disappointed that he wasn't starting. More, yeah. on, that, more on that to come. However... Forgetting what you saw in the 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 kind of the next couple of hours after the lineup, did you understand why the manager was looking to be able to try and make some of that rotation and be able to try and give Borna some minutes? I understood that the manager does like to rotate, particularly at left back and particularly up front. He does do that. Um, he's very he's he, he talks about the need to rotate and how many games and keeping everybody fresh, giving everybody time and all that. So I get why he wants to do that. Um, I didn't think tonight was a night for it, um, and that was I was thinking that before kick off, before I saw Borna do what Borna does. Um, we've got a game at home on Saturday against Motherwell. That's the kind of game where if you feel you need to give Borna some time or you need to rest Redvan, that's the one to do it. Not the the big massive games away to Kilmarnock on a Wednesday night when there's so much at stake. I think you start your strongest people for that. Um, so I would have had to started um, Redvan tonight and then brought Bourne in at the weekend if we had to. Um as a huge Bor- as a huge uh, Ridvan fan, I, I wouldn't be bringing Bourne in at all. I would just play Ridvan for 90 minutes every single game if it was down to me. But yeah, if you have to rotate, I do get that. But I don't think tonight was a night for it. And I thought that at, I thought that when the team lines came out. I also thought it up front as well, Cammy, with Dessers and Silva. Um I thought tonight was a night for Dessers rather than Silva. And I would have preferred to have seen Dessers starting tonight and perhaps Silva starting on Saturday. So, uh, again, I see the need for rotation. I get why he does it. I know why it's important. I just think he got his matches a bit mixed up tonight for when to do it. Yeah, and and listen, I think that that's really important because um, I think it's also very fair to criticise the manager for that. And I, I, and again, 
you've got to take the rough of the smooth. And I think that, that this game encapsulates that phrase, if I'm being honest, because I, I think he, he did get the lineup wrong. I totally agree with you. Somewhat bizarrely, despite what happened today, which we're again we're we're, we're gonna kind of break down in a moment. But I actually would play Borna Barisic against Motherwell on Saturday because Still. Yeah, I would. And the only reason being is because I want to give Yilmaz a bit of a rest when you think about some of the upcoming fixtures. I understand that that likely won't happen, but I'm just thinking about the manager's need, and it is a need, right, to be able to to juggle his resources, to manage them appropriately, and being able to try and see where we can rest players, because I just felt, Colin, that it, we looked pretty leggy uh, in the last 10, 15 minutes of, of, of the game against Kilmarnock. And the fixture schedule isn't going to really give us a, any kind of respite until we get to the international break. In, in which case, by the way, I'd be telling every single one of our players to sit down in a chair and not move for a week. <laughs> but, um, so sometimes, and, and listen, we're as well talking about it now, actually, because Borna was really really poor tonight, as poor as I've seen him, and, and two separate factors. Um, I don't think he was great in terms of some of his uh, his overall play. Um, I don't think he looked in any way confident. Um, he didn't look, for me, comfortable at any stage. And the second thing is his decision-making. Um, specifically, the what led to, ultimately led to the goal which was been able to try and shield the ball out of play. He gets the slightest touch and goes down. Now, if anyone is listening to this pod believes that was a legitimate free kick, I, I'm sorry, I just I can't agree with you. It was never a free kick. He did that defender thing, which I despise, but I totally accept that the minute you feel a hands in your back, you're shielding the ball, you just go down. And 999 times out of a 1,000, you're going to get the free kick. So to an extent, I understand as to why he did it, but he did it so poorly that when he's standing probably at maximum seven feet away from a, a, a linesman who doesn't give it, he then decides to fall in the ball, which ultimately leads to the referee giving a handball, then it, it, it's just ridiculous. Obviously, Kilmarnock had threatened... Um, but this was inviting a pressure onto us that we absolutely could have avoided, and then we'll come on to the penalty decision in a minute. But this was this was, I think, just absolutely what Borna was about uh, against Kelly. I just didn't see him looking in any way, shape, or form like he wanted the ball, like he knew what he was doing with it. I'm going to write it up, Colin, right, as a bad night at the office. That's all it has to be, which is why, like I say, I'm not adverse to the idea of him starting against Motherwell. But it was a poor night when we knew, as you mentioned earlier on, it was going to be a really tough fixture, a really tough game. And, yeah, just not for me. I just, I'm not really too sure why the manager saw it. And... Again, I, I, I just feel Borna just really struggled to be able to try and live up to that chance he was getting at the start. It was another poor night for Borna Barisic, and that's not an uncommon thing for us to be seeing now. Um, it's two years ago this month since he sat down against Celtic, and he 
has never really recovered from it. There's been the odd little glow, the odd little bit of good play, the odd goal that he scores or assists, but he's never really he's never really recovered, I don't think, from it mentally, and he's never really recovered from it with a lot of the fan base of it being on side with him. Um and I think having another left back like Red Van Yilma's coming in, showing what a different left back can do, uh, having more strings to their bow than just drop border and he's just his crossing. Red Van does a lot more than just the crossing, I think. It's made you realise that there is better options out there. Tonight was just silly. Um, he chose to go down. There was a little bit of contact. There was there was like contact between him and the player. But the thing for me was he took about two steps before he threw himself down. And then fell down. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Take the two steps. You don't need to fall down. He's chosen the easy way out rather than just doing his job and clearing the ball. Uh, he's landed on the ball, like you said, gave away the free kick. And that's led to the passage of play that led to the goal. Um, it's I'm not a psychologist, Cammy. I think it's I don't think it's right for people to the outside looking in to be questioning players' mentalities and saying they're shit bags or saying they've not got it or they've lost it. But all I can say is when you watch Borner play football, he does not look like a confident footballer. He doesn't look like the the guy that's looking to find a way forward all the time. He's not looking like the guy that's looking to attack. When he gets the ball. More often than not, it's almost like a hot potato and he just wants to get rid of it as quickly as possible. And he's looking to the side and he's looking behind them for the safety ball. Maybe because he doesn't want the the hassle or the criticism of losing it or making a mess of it, so he's going for the easy one because he's had so many high incidents that have happened where he has been criticised. Maybe that's got to him, I don't know. He's another one of the players that's coming to the end of his time with us. His contract expires this summer. He will be moving on. Um it's a case of playing him at the weekend. I really don't know, Cammy. I'm I'm not sure if I would now. Um, I would. I think I would. I'm very much of the kind of mind now that we do a rotation where we need to do it, but we could also kind of adapt things and try and blast teams away in the first half of games, and then use your subs, and that's how you rest people, and that's how you rotate people. Get born on for the last thirty minutes. Get him on at half time if we're for two up or whatever. Give him give him minutes that way and rest red van that way. Do the same in other areas of the park rather than just rotating for rotating sake. Um, I don't think it's a great message for Ridvan either. I know it's for his own good in terms of resting and stuff, but he was man of the match last week against Hearts. He's came on tonight and played a part of the team that rescued us in the second half. Came on and made a big difference. And then he sits out again at the weekend. He's a footballer that wouldn't want to be sitting out. You know what these guys are like? They want to play every game. So I'm kind of against it for that point of view as well. But Borna is just a guy that's been a great servant, huge part of 55, but I am pretty much done with him at this point. I, I, when I see him in the team, I'm disappointed. Not just because he's playing, but because Ridvan isn't. I just think Ridvan's leaps and bounds ahead of him now. And I think I've seen enough of 2024 Borna and it's time to move on from it. Yeah, as I say, I mean, I think the, you know, the manager corrects his decision at half-time, which we'll, we'll come on to in due course. But um, the the Kilmarnock opener, calling um, from... I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think it was a penalty of the game. I don't think it's a penalty now that I've watched it back a couple of times. Um, it could fall into the category, right, of I could understand as to why it's been given because of this ridiculous law, right? And I'm yeah. I'm not Michael Stewart. I'm just, you know, going to say I don't like the law. Just that I fundamentally disagree with it or, I, you know, I think the decision's wrong, the the <laughs> the, the the law is the law, right? So I, I get that it, it doesn't help. Um, I, I genuinely think that 
there's no way that Lundstrom could really do anything about that ball coming at him at that pace. What makes it look bad, and again, this is purely just my opinion, but what I think makes it look bad is that the ball hits the underside of his arm and forces his arm up. And it almost looks like as if he's tried to voluntarily move his arm yeah. and, and the ball's hitting at that spot. Now, we're as well talking about this in one sitting because if you're telling me that's a penalty and I accept that decision, you're going to have to explain to me how in the closing stages of the game, the one that hits off Mayo's hand whilst he's in the in the kind of entanglement with Cyril Dessers, how that's not a penalty. So we can abide by this stupid law, right, which I think the vast majority of football fans, pundits, probably players, I would definitely imagine, don't like, don't think does anything for us. You can have a VAR technology that gives you the opportunity to be able to have a second look, a third look, a fourth look, different angles. You have that benefit. But when you get to an inconsistency in terms of these decisions within the same 90 minutes of football, that's where you've got a major gap. Um, it's just, it's so frustrating. And again, I've said it before, I don't want to harp on about referees. I just feel there is a, 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 a kind of, almost a mood at the moment, Colin, that it feels very easy to give decisions against Rangers. And I'll highlight that with not only the game at Rugby Park, but also the hesitancy in giving two of the most penaltiest penalties that you've ever seen up at uh, St. Johnson. It's incredibly frustrating at the moment. Um, but it is, it is what it is. It's extremely frustrating. And you know what? Um, if we hadn't got the result tonight, we would be recording a very different podcast at the moment. We'd be apoplectic about this. It would be ranting and raving. It's probably better that we we got the victory in the end and we can talk about it with a clearer head. Um, I used to enjoy Cammy watching the football and a handball was quite obvious because a ball would hit a hand and you say, that's a handball. There's not really any debate in it. Now, I'll be honest, when I'm watching football now, I've got no idea whether a penalty's going to get given or not because you read the rules and you try to understand the rules, but it's all down to interpretation of it and each referee seems to do it differently. Where I agree with you is that if John Lundstrom is a penalty, I don't know how the other two are not. Um, if you're going to be that, if you're going to take that view of handballs like the referee did for the John Lundstrom one and say that's a foul, so that's a penalty, I've got no idea how the incident with Dessa was on 86 minutes or the incident in injury time uh, with the Scott Wright cross. I just don't know how they're not penalties either. Um, it's, it's people not understanding the rules, it's referees being unsure of what to do. Um, VR should be clearing this up for them, and it's not. That, that surprised me tonight because. Fair enough. Um, David Dixon can make a mistake on the pitch. He can be unsure. VAR should be just telling him, listen, it's a handball. That's a penalty. Come and see it. Award the penalty. Um, it's Was there a, an injury time tonight, Cameron, if I was leading by one goal? Is it in his head that he's going to be the storyline if Rangers get a penalty and win the game? Is, is that in the referee's head? I think it probably is and it shouldn't be. Um, maybe we're maybe we're a matter of our own downfall in that degree in some ways with the whole penalty to Rangers thing that we thrive about and we enjoy all the time. Um, but it's referees scared to give a decision for Rangers, but seem to be ever so happy to give it against us. And I just don't get it. And I say this with no tinfoil hat on, no conspiracy theories. We're sitting top of this league. We're probably going to win this league. I think I'll go out there and say that. 
We've just got the three points. So I'm saying this from a position of we're still going to win this league regardless of this, but I think it's still worth pointing out. The standard of the refereeing is so, so poor. This handball thing is a mess. And it's, there's going to be a game where it has serious repercussions on the outcome. And a game like today, that would have, that would have repercussions on the title. And that just can't be allowed to happen. Yeah. Um, so no. we've, got tonight. we've got away for the referee tonight. Um, but had that cost us, then it would be... Imagine just imagine the world we would live in tomorrow if that had cost us tonight. We hadn't got that penalty. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that's a fair point, and I'm a big one for for. I think you have to be consistent when you call these things out. I don't think you can just call it out when you are, um, you know, when you when you lose a game. I think you have to be able to say, you know, there are obvious errors where this kind of stands, but you know, there are. Right, I want to move off referees because they were not the reason as to why we were struggling. Uh, tonight, Colin, um, not uh, our finest first half. I think it's fair to say under Philippe Pomont. Um, we've obviously went a goal down to to the aforementioned penalty. The thing that was frustrating me more than anything else, and I can guarantee you were exactly the same, was that we seemed to just dip into the late September, early October Rangers, where. We didn't take care of the ball well enough. There was a, a general degree of sloppiness. Um, we didn't look like we could be physical enough and stand up to, to a physical challenge. Um, I think that our running was, was poor. And what I mean by that is the timing of our runs. We've seen some really great fast flowing football under Fleet Clement. Uh, regurgitating the ball back into play, being able to try and keep it going. Um, and it just felt like if Kilmarnock wanted to dictate the tempo of the game for the first half, for sure, they certainly did it. I I want to try and do what we can to get through this podcast without blaming the pitch, because the pitch has nothing to do with it, right? You've still got professional footballers who, as far as I'm concerned, despite playing on a shit surface, should still be able to take care of the ball better than Rangers did. But... At the same point, what I think, and I, and I want to kind of talk and use this word psychology, there was an element of that where we we just looked like it, it felt a bit rudderless. Like we didn't have someone who was willing to take uh, the, the responsibility to galvanise the group. Now, we will talk about that in the second half because it did come to life. Um. But I'll be honest with you, and again, I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts, um, you know, watching a game on TV. I just felt across the park, even without the ball, that we just did not look like as if we were we were going to be up for it. And and that was okay given the outcome of the game, but we need to be able to try and make sure that the lessons learned from this is, even if as a group the the, the, the team are not playing brilliantly well, we just need some of those stalwarts, some of those leaders in there to be able to say, look, we are better than this. We can match them toe for toe. We can beat them. Let's start believing in ourselves. Let's start taking care of the ball better. Let's let's play our game. Because I agree with you. I think that we are now on course to win the league. I'm feeling more and more confident in that as, as the games tick on. In order to be able to try and do that, you've got to believe in it yourself. And I don't think for the first 45 minutes of that game, we we really believed in it as much as we possibly could have. 
No, for the for the first half and for the first five minutes of the second half, they looked nervous. Uh, they looked worried. They didn't look as if they they knew what to do, um, which was concerning to me. Um, this Rangers team plays at its best, Cammy, when it plays with when it's bold, when it's brave, when players try things, when they've got confidence and they move the ball quickly, and they they make things happen quickly. And that's when we've been at our most sort of devastating and effective so far this season. It's what's worked so well since the new manager came in. There was none of that. The midfield was sort of non-existent. Um, there wasn't much happening up front. And they just looked a bit shell-shocked, particularly when they went to go behind. They didn't They didn't recover from it. They didn't bounce back from it at all, really. Um, we've got Jack Butlin to, to thank for keeping us in, in the game at that point. It's When Todd Campbell got injured, Cammy, I was a bit worried. And then we played Hearts and it was like Todd Campbell didn't exist. We didn't need them. We just smashed Hearts out of the park on Saturday. Tonight was in a match where I thought we missed Todd Cantwell because Todd Cantwell is a guy who is super confident. He does try things. He's always screaming for the ball. He wants to try and make that dangerous pass. He wants to do that exciting thing. He's His first thought is attack, attack, attack. I think he would have made a difference tonight. Um, he's the kind of player you'd be looking for to galvanise and to get the team going. I think he would have made a difference tonight. He was a big miss. Um, the team just seemed to not believe they could do it. It was almost like watching a Rangers team from a year ago, 18 months ago. I had forgotten everything that they've came on in since since October, since November. And then somehow in the second half, they, they got the, the right players on the pitch. I think some of the new players that have come in are, sort of, are quite galvanised and that they're just different faces that can do different things. And they pulled themselves back into the game with the captain. But it was very concerning at the start, Cammy. Those first 50 minutes of this match were very worrying. And I don't know how you felt at the game. But at halftime in particular, I was sitting worried. I wasn't looking forward to recording the post-match on the Patreon site about the game because I felt that the light was on the wall and we were not going to be having a good show and we were not going to win. So the delights when we did was fantastic, but it did not look like it at halftime and that's because of what we were seeing on the pitch. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna jump to Jack Butlin's post-match interview to talk about that particular uh, period calling because he was asked, you know, what happened at half time. He said, uh, you know, in the dressing room, and you can see at the end, there's never any panic. We just remained calm and kept reiterating at half time why we are in the position we are and how we've got back here and all the rest of it. And we continued to do that into the second half. So I think that we have a very British mentality, right? Of we want the team to go in when they've underperformed for the manager to start sticking rockets up arses, think that that works, and then everyone comes back out and then just decides that, you know, they'll start playing better. I, 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 by the way, I, I'm not saying that Philippe Clement did not go and say that you guys have to take ownership on this. I think he took the ownership on it personally because, um, again, you guys wouldn't have seen this watching the TV, but what I would say is almost two minutes into the halftime break, Dessers and Redman were already out, uh, getting warmed up, getting used to the surface, getting used to the fact that obviously it was quite windy and rainy as well, um, but they were already out. So everybody within the stadium knew, right, okay, so those subs are definitely being made at half-time then. So he's he's acknowledged the fact that Barisic is not playing a good game, and I think that that's fine. But that ownership, that responsibility has also been within the playing group to really just ask themselves, you know, we're not top of the league by accident. We're not having such a consistent run of form by accident. We're not 
smashing Ross County at home. We're not smashing Harps at home because these things aren't, you know, they're just luck. We're doing it out of our own endeavour. We're doing it out of our commitment. And that's why I think that you saw a very different Rangers side that came out in the second half. Now, one thing sticking with Jack Butland that I want to talk about, Colin, you'll remember um, the game at Easter Road not that long ago. Um, and again, on the uh, pods on the Patreon site as well, I was at massive pains to be able to try and pull out that um, Jack Butland at the beginning of the second half um, against Hibs pulled out a fantastic save. By Christ, Colin, did he pull out a phenomenal save from 10 yards out at the beginning um, of the second half against Kelly. Um, he is going to be player of the season, right? I'll tell you that for a fact, he is going to be player of the season for us. Um, what I would say to you is, when we mention again that word psychology, being able to see a goalkeeper produce those kinds of saves where it's sharp, he's low down towards his right-hand side, doesn't put the ball back in play, very rarely ever does that. Does that great thing of being able to put out to his side, but also with enough power that it removes itself from being able to, to be recycled, you know, very quickly and then played back into the box. Um, one of the key reasons if not the main reason why I think Rangers won at Rugby Park was because of this save. I'm going to just put it out there. The goals were fantastic. We will talk about them in just a second. But this save, for a whole number of reasons, was monumental. This save was galvanising. Um, this save, um, I think, set the tone of the second half in terms of we'd been poor, we were behind... We hadn't particularly kicked off the second half particularly well and we got one final fright from Kilmarnock, which was the the Matthew Kennedy shot that Jack Butlin saved so, so well. Um, that save, Cammy, is as important, if not more important, than the two goals because if that save doesn't happen, I don't think the other two goals then happen. Um, at 2-0 down, Kilmarnock just dropped back. Um, we're probably against a 10-man block at that point and we do not break it down on that pitch. Last night, with them with a two-goal head start, it just doesn't happen. So the goal's massive. It's huge. Um, MD that listens to us on the Patreon site, we, we, we're, we're close to renaming the pod Hart and Butland because we all just love him. We just adore the guy. He's been such a good signing. He is definitely going to be the player of the season. Um, this, the stats are just frightening for how well he's done for us in terms of saving saves and clean sheets. I think since the... Since the winter break, we've came back. We've done. We've won ten games in a row now. We've scored twenty eight goals, only conceded four. You start that from the back, and it's Jack, it's Jack Butland. So he's huge, and I think that save basically just woke the team up and said, "Right, we're still in this. We almost weren't. Let's pull ourselves together and sort this lot out." And that's exactly what they did. It was. It's no surprise. It's just a couple of minutes later, we got the breakthrough. Yeah, absolutely. Um. I think there's been times where we've spoken about James Tavernier, um, a well-deserved Hall of Famer. Uh, I appreciate that people will look at his trophy cabinet in terms of his time at Rangers and think that captain should win far more. I really don't think that's a valid argument, given the period that he came into the club at, what he's been able to achieve in that time. Um, I mentioned before, right, so this is why I, I, I made the, I laboured the point earlier on, Colin, in the first half about people taking ownership. Because you've got, and Jack Butlin has come in as a senior player. I think he's seen as one of the senior players within the group. 
Yeah. Um, we've seen John Lundstrom play some brilliant stuff under Philippe Clement. Um, Connor Goldson has been able to come in and produce that. Now, again, James Tavernier for me, and and you hear players talking about it in the group, right? There is that phrase of, you know, Tav does what Tav does, right? Jack Butlin said exactly the same thing uh, in his post-match. Um, he is an inspiration to the other players, uh, and deservedly so. This goal, this free kick, at a time where we were starting to come into the game, I think probably around about the 50 to 55 minute mark, Colin, for me is where we then started to impress upon ourselves that we've had that mentioned, uh, the, the save from Butler that we mentioned, and then this free kick opportunity comes up and James Tavernier hits it with a wonderful strike right into the corner. The keeper the keeper does get a touch in it, but again, I'm convinced, and I need to see a better angle of it, but I'm convinced he touches it when it's already in the goal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I know there's that cliche of goals happening at the right time, but when you take into a slightly slop- sloppy start to the second half, then the Butland save, then this free kick, it for me showed the captain saying, we can get something out of this. We know who we are. If we want to win this league, it's about producing moments. The goalkeeper's already done one. I've done one now as well. All of you, this is the level we need to be able to try and get and, and get back to because we've shown it so consistently over the course of the last four or five months. There's a there's a couple of things about this goal, Cammy, for me. Um, one is that Tav has scored this type of goal, these sort of free kick wonder strikes, so many times now that there's almost an expectation that when he steps up that he's going to do something special. And that's maybe quite greedy of us as fans because what he does is so good. There's not many players that can strike a free kick the way he can do it. And it's the technique, the skill to do it is out of this world. When you combine that with the pressure that was on him tonight when he was taking that free kick as well, um, the stakes involved, what it meant, gets back into this game get the points. It's it's massive. Um, talk about having a big pair of balls. James Tavernier has got a huge set of balls, Cammy, and he did it time and time again. He's done it with penalties, now done it with free kicks. He is a captain. Um, he gets a lot of nonsense thrown his way by a lot of people a lot of time that he, he's not loud enough. You don't hear him screaming and shouting. We just made the point about the manager. That the manager changed things at halftime without screaming and shouting. It's just it's, it's a different game now. I don't think you need your captain screaming and bawling and getting in people's faces. There's been four or five different Rangers managers now that have the chance to replace Tav as captain and haven't done it. And I think there's a reason for that. All the players adore him. They all look up to him. They've never got a bad word to say about him. He's the first in training, the last in training. He is an absolute wonderful captain to this club and he won't be missed properly until he's gone and we try and replace him. Um, first off, if we try and replace him at right back and find another right back that's going to score his 20 goals a season, we're just not. And then when we try and pick a new captain, he's going to have a huge, huge, huge pair of boots to fill or armband to fill, whatever you want to call it, because Tav has been fantastic for us. And tonight was just another example of that, scoring a goal of that magnitude with the stakes involved and to do it that well with that skill level. It's just incredible. It really, really is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to refer you back to this podcast when um, he does leave and uh, there's a potential for Ridvan to be considered captain and then we'll, we'll see what your tone is like. 
<laughs> but listen, let's move on uh, to the Turkish delight. <clears throat> Do you see what I did there? Yeah, um, I've mentioned before, right? I don't want to talk about that shit pitch, right? And another moratorium I'm putting in is talking about Red Van Yilmaz's height. It's irrelevant. Um, it, it's it's a misnomer to think that he can't uh, apply himself physically in our domestic game. There was a number of challenges, calling that Yilmaz rode, that he put in, that he managed to get you know, through. He absolutely stood up to every single battle he went into um, in Kilmarnock. And the most important thing, I think, more than anything else, was there was a few times in the first half, you'll remember what I'm talking about, where it just felt like the ball was in the air for ages. There was headers going forward, then back again, the wind would catch it, we'd have to go back and forth. And there's there's one moment in particular uh, where I remember the ball coming through Yilmaz, with his man, has absolutely read the flight of the ball to perfection. He's made the sidestep. He's taken the touch in the chest. He's killed the ball dead. And then he's immediately looked up to look to see if there's a, a, an option, an assessment. He's not able to find one immediately, so he just starts progressing with the ball. Now, that makes it sound so incredibly simple when I've explained that there. But I'm, I'm telling anyone who hasn't watched the game, right, it, it's not that simple when that's exactly what we were screaming for in the first half. When Yilmaz came on, I think it was just, um, it, it just gave us that kind of reassurance, the, the the ability to be able to go forward with the ball, to be able to, to have a really strong ethos of just travelling forward with it, being able to try and create opportunities. We're going to come on to the Tom Lawrence goal in just a second, Colin. But the reason why I mention this in particular, because we spoke about tempo earlier on, and almost, you know, in, like he's almost injecting some tempo into our team, which then starts to resonate across the team because he wants to go forward with the ball. He wants to be able to try and play the ball quickly and, you know, with self-assurance because he knows that he can produce quality when he has to. Um, again, let's be completely honest, the manager got it wrong not starting them, but he got it right by um, replacing Bonabarisic with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, manager poor performance picking him in the first place um, but he recovers at half time and brings him on when there's still enough time in the game to rescue it. So often you see managers, Cammy, that wait for this magic 60 minute mark or 65 minute mark and that's when they make their substitutions and at that point they come on takes them five, ten minutes to get into the kind of room of the game. And then they've got 10, 15 minutes left to make an impact. It's not enough often. So bringing them on at half time is bold, it's brave, it was the right thing to do. And Ridvan performed. I think the rest of the team look more confident when Ridvan's playing as well because I think they know they're going to be more attacking. He's going to find them better. He's, it just gives them so many more options. The thing I like about Ridvan is that he isn't as good a crosser of the ball when it comes to just normal crosses as Borna Barisic is. Borna Barisic is one of the best crossers of the ball I've seen in a long time at Rangers. However, it's not always the most effective route of attack when you're playing against six foot three, six foot four, six foot five big Scottish defenders all the time. That's why we don't score all that many headers in the box. Um what I like about Ridvan is that he can still put a cross in decently, but he also plays really good passes. He looks for the through balls. He looks to take shots on himself. Um, he moves about, he's never just stuck on that left-hand side. He does try and cut in 
he's just got much more to his game. He sees the game better as well, I think, and his first instinct is attack. And I love that. Um, solid defensively, doesn't let anything by him, really. But when he's on the ball, he's moving forward, he's looking for people in front of him. You don't often see him making the kind of lazy backwards pass or just recycling it if there's something else on. He tries things, and that's what I like about him. And I think the other players react to that, and it brings the midfield more into the game because they know there's they're not going to just get a, a long chip into the box, which more often than not, like I said, comes to nothing. So, yeah, it made a big, big difference when he came on. He just offers so much more, and it's just a bit, it's just much better on the eyes. But I'm very biased because I love the wee guy. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, I totally agree with all of that. Um, I think he just loves being able to try and take the ball to the byline and then looking assessing his options. And he did it towards the latter part of the game as well, where um Kamarnik really struggled to deal with him because he kept coming at them and kept coming at them. They felt that okay, the ball might break down when it's in a, 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 a you know, right in the corner and it's quite tight. He didn't allow it to. He kept looking to be able to try and get by them. And a few of them, one occasion in particular, he went by a couple of them and they more or less just thought the ball was dead. It wasn't dead and he <laughs> wouldn't allow it. And he, as I say, he kind of ran in parallel with the, with coming along the, the, the goal line. So he's just, again, he's just that injection and that's what I, I loved about him. Um, you know, against that really shit conditions, been able to just galvanise a little bit more in terms of the team and the response, and that's exactly what happened. And Rangers um, didn't have to wait long after equalising Colin to be able to try and take the lead. Um, I'm going to give Philippe Clement another bit of praise here because he actually, in part, assists this goal. Ball goes out of play for a throw-in. Clement immediately gives it to Tom Lawrence. Takes a very, very quick throw-in. Ball comes back to Lawrence. He's um, he's kind of upended a little bit and put in his arse. He quickly recovers because he gets the free kick, stops the ball dead, plays it in, and then just as we're kind of dealing with it, he continues his run and sweeps the ball home. Um, again, like I say, this is part of the reason why I can barely speak at the moment. Um, but it was absolute pandemonium when that went in. And a real sucker punch for a Kilmarnock side, which, and again, I want to give them some due credit, right? Because the manager made reference to this. Kilmarnock haven't dropped points to anyone else in their last 15 games than us. Yeah. Um, so they are a team, right? They can obviously play to their strengths. They can play to their strengths at home. But this was like, you know, if we could land one on the chin with a free kick equaliser, this was a proper haymaker that put them in the ropes. Um, I think everyone watching this calling of a of a, a blue-red and white persuasion just probably breathed a massive sigh of relief once you'd finished celebrating. Yeah, big time. Um, big night for Tom Lawrence. He obviously, he won the free kick for Tav's goal as well. And then he gets the winner himself. So yeah, he's, he's really caught in a game since he came back from injury. And this was just another another huge moment. You were still on cloud nine from the the equaliser, which I think was only f- five or six minutes previous, that had kind of brought us from nowhere right back into it. And then before you know it, we're actually winning. We're, we're winning 2-1 and we're looking at three points rather than zero points. And like I say, at halftime, you weren't thinking that. Um, you always hope you can do it. You think you've got a full 45 minutes to do it, but you're expecting and you're anticipating 45 minutes of torture probably and agonizing misses and near chances and everything else but no 
in the space of like 14 second half minutes we've turned it around from being beaten to be up to winning and it was pure pure elation in my house anyway um my house abroad i should say um but it was just wonderful stuff and that's the that's the little kind of hallmarks i think cami of a a title winning team a team that can when like i say when they're when they're not playing at their best when things aren't going well for them when it's looking like they're down and out they're able to pull it out the bag and bring it back and get the result and like i say that's 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 a match that's goals that you're going to look back on at the end of the season and really see it as points won points that were going away from us points that at half time we didn't look like getting we might be lucky and grab one of them perhaps but no, that Tom Lawrence goal and that second half performance gave us all three and in this title race, every single point as a prisoner. Yeah, it is. And I'm going to come back to that point that we mentioned earlier on about this this kind of the two-sided performance and, and I, I promised myself I wouldn't say this, but the game of two halves, which was um, after that goal, all of a sudden, Rangers looked far more in control. Uh, we, we managed to maintain a composure. Um, I think in big part to that, I want to to put that as well towards Dijon Sterling because I think when he came on, he showed that he wasn't going to get pushed about. He had a couple of decent challenges uh, put against them that he just shrugged off. Um, and and by the way, I'm not using that as a stick to hit Ross McCausland with. I don't think McCausland was great, but listen, I'm not. You know, he's not alone in that. I'm not suggesting that that was just something that was specific to him. And in actual fact, and again, Colin, I think you and I discussed this. Uh, before was it's not it's not wrong to criticise Ross McCausland. If anything, it's a degree of a compliment because yeah. we now treat him as our first team regular. So when he doesn't play well, it's not the end of the world. It's not saying that he's a terrible player or whatever. He's he's allowed to have an off night and that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. There was plenty of his colleagues <laughs> were not having a great first half either. But Sterling coming on I think just gives us a little bit more physique in there. I think it gives us a little bit more muscle in there. Um and that's not in any way meant to discredit the other attributes of his game because he has got some great vision, wonderful control. He can play the ball in terms of being able to try and get it into space, but also play the ball in close quarters. And he, and he looked like a really attacking presence as well. Um, so for me, I think that, again, to give the manager his praise, he made the correct substitutes. Some of them were forced, right? Because... You know, obviously, we, we we know that there were some injuries. Um, Cortez went off, and um, Tom Lawrence was close to going off initially. I think stayed on a bit, and then obviously then did have to go off. So there'll be assessments, you know, in the next few days on that. Um. So, and again, by the way, listen, this might be me still giddy from the result, right? But I also think Scott Wright played well when he came on. Um, a bit, Colin. Again, like I say, this is where we absolutely started to believe in what we're capable of doing and I think that that kind of period towards the the going in front and then the control of the second half to its conclusion for me I think showed that that dressing room talk at halftime absolutely embedded within the players as Jack Butland mentioned earlier on. Yeah it definitely did um Dejan Sterling in particular is really starting to cut the mustard cami. Um oh. he he's been wonderful, hasn't he? Like he was signed in the summer. We were told he was a fullback that was the the anti James Tavernier is what was one of the things I read about him. Defensive first, you won't often see him crossing the halfway line. 
Um, but he's a solid defender. Then through injury circumstance and whatever not, we end up giving him a chance in midfield and he just turns into a monster. Um, sometimes when Sterling's playing, Cammy, I sometimes think there's two of them because he's everywhere. Like He just pops up all over the pitch all the time, winning balls, putting his foot in, annoying other players. He's He's been wonderful, really, really good. And he made a big difference when he came on. Um, Scott Wright did as well. I've criticised Scott Wright on here plenty of times. Uh, deservedly so, I'll add. But tonight he actually came on and played well and made a difference. Um, he should have won as a penalty. Um, towards the second half of last season, Cammy, and at the start of this season, we've done numerous car pods on the Patreon site, numerous post-matches, numerous flagships. We've talked about how little we've had on the bench that can come on and actually contribute. We've been down to the bare bones at times towards the end of last season, the start of this season with injuries and with a squad with players that just weren't fit for purpose, we couldn't use really. The difference now is night and day. Um, we've not got an 11 that play brilliantly every single week. We've now got a squad that play really well every single week. And when you see an injury and a player going out or a player dropping out because of suspension or whatever else, there doesn't seem to be that much fear because this squad's so well drilled. They know the job. They know what's expected of them. That they do seem to be able to just step into the team, replace somebody, and you often don't miss a step. Um, we've saw it with Leon Balligan um, getting injured and uh, dropping out for a number of games when he was kind of the manager's first choice at centre-half. John Suters came in and we've just mentioned we've, we've conceded four goals in ten games. Um, it's... It's wonderful in that regard, having these players that can kind of make a massive difference and be part of the squad and play a role. And it's going to be a squad that wins this title this year. It's not going to be an 11. Um, for a long time, we've only had an 11 and that's been a problem for us. Now we've actually got a decent number of squad players that can come in, make a difference, contribute and allow the manager to do the rotating that he likes to do. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but that's where I think the manager does turn around. I think that's his squad management where he turns around and says to those players who are not going to get regular starts, they're not always going to be the first name down in the team sheet, but they are going to feature. Um, and he has to say to every single one of them, you're all going to play a part within this as well. Um, a 2-1 victory call in which, uh, and again, I want to just, just swing back very briefly before we start talking about um, Motherwell at Ibrox and Saturday. That I did say I was going to mention that lot. If you want to skip on a couple of minutes, if you don't want to hear anything about this, then please feel free. Um, I can't remember what their score was. Was it 6 0 at half time against uh, something like that? Yeah, yeah, against Tony Doherty's Dundee. Uh, that's just a coincidence. Um, so yeah, so 6 6 0 against Tony Doherty's Dundee. They've probably been made aware of, and I'm certain they were aware of it in the stands. Um, well, I mean, I'm assuming they topped up their pay-as-you-go mobiles. That they would have been told that um, Rangers were losing 1-0 to Kilmarnock. Probably a game they knew, you know, certainly from close personal experience, was going to be a tough game um, against Kelly. Um, they run out 7-1 winners against Tony Dock at his Dundee. Um, go back into the dressing room to find that Rangers have turned it around and win 2-1. Now, I mentioned to you before about this in comparison to the Hearts game. And I mentioned about that psychology. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, Colin. This is where I think tonight cannot be understated in terms of how pivotal it could be for 
if we win 56 this season, um, how much it, it's played its part. And whether or not you're talking about, you know, the goalkeeper, whether or not you're talking about fantastic uh, free kicks, whether you're not you're talking about the the reclamation of character and awareness of your ability, that has to be a strong statement in terms of saying, you know, we are absolutely in this. This is a neck and neck title race. I still believe we will drop points. I still believe Celtic will drop points. So the fact that you've been able to try and turn out that kind of result, but yet you're still second, I think is, I, I think, like you say, it really does start to negate how big that a win that was against Tony Dockett's Dundee. I think it's huge, Cammy. I think it's huge um, from a player point of view over at their end. And it's also huge at their fans point of view as well, because they have not been in a good place. They dislike a huge number of their players. They dislike their manager. They detest their board. And they've not been playing good football. They've not had a, a result at um, Parkhead for them to get behind and really enjoy in a long time. Uh, they went there tonight. They've scored seven goals. And I dare say they were loving it. They got to the point as well where they were top of the league again uh, during play when they were winning 3-0, I think, when we were still behind by one. Um so they've had that jubilation, they've had that joy, and we've just snatched it away from them. We've ripped it away again in the second half. And like I say, they've went there, they've destroyed Dundee, they've scored seven goals, and they've got on the supporters' buses, they've got on their cars, they've turned on their radios, whatever they've done, and it will have sickened them. And I am absolutely here for it. It's happened to us enough times, and we need to do it straight back. Um, so they've gone cloud nine for parts of that game, thinking... Bloody Rangers, they were top for what was it, a week? We're back again, etc, etc. Absolutely not. Turn it around in the second half and their seven goals mean absolutely nothing. And that's how important tonight was. Yeah. And listen, I understand people listen to this will say, well, the goal difference and you know all that kind of stuff. I do understand that. I get it. But we're after points at the moment, not goals. If goals come into it, then okay, fair enough. Maybe we'll, we'll be in a much, much different picture. Yeah. Um, They've scored points. seven goals, Cammy, and we're still ahead on goal difference. So yeah. yeah, that's it's... exactly what I was going to say. Sometimes <laughs> when you get those third goals, sometimes when you get those uh, extra goals at the tail end, um, so like I say, you know, against Ross County, against St. Johnson, been able to try and, and, and do that demolition of hearts. Um it's it's maintaining that momentum. And again, like I say, I think that that's where it will be interesting to see how they resound on the back of that victory, given the fact that we're still, as you say, top and that we're still able to dig out results. And I'm sorry, I'm going to say it, against a well-organised Kilmarnock team and, uh, again, in really shit conditions and a terrible pitch, and yet we can still run out the winners when we don't, we, we weren't anywhere near our best. For the first 45 minutes, first 50 to 55 minutes, we weren't near our best, but still managed to come away with the three points. Colin, let's look forward really briefly uh, to the visit of Motherwell to Ibrox on Saturday. Um, Motherwell not in great shapes, however, we're able to get a result against Livingston at Almond Vale um, earlier on this evening, but um, I don't really think that that was to kind of two great shakes. Um, I don't, I'm not going to be blasé about it. I'm not going to say the cliche, you know, it's a big three points. We all know that kind of stuff, right? That is absolutely running the mill at the moment. 
but I stand by my point earlier on that we're going to have to think about a couple of things, right? So first of all, we we don't know yet if there's an injury fallout in case any of the players who had went off against uh, Kilmarnock. Um, I do stand by my my premise that we should start Borna against Motherwell purely because I don't think we need to start Ridvan. But there's another part of my brain calling that says maybe it would just be easier if we played really well from the start and saw teams off. Yeah. And then we started to make subs. But the challenge there is you're having to tell those players who are starting the game, I need a high tempo, I need high intensity. These things are physically draining. So you can say it, but it's not as easy as it sounds. And it's not as easy as it sounds. And there's, there's, there is no... There's no right answer, really, because both both options could work, Cammy, couldn't they? So it's difficult to say which ones to do, but I kind of lean towards you in terms of start the game well, get out of sight, make the substitutions, and start looking ahead to, to Europe again, because that's us back now to... We're pretty much going to be two games a week again now. Um, Europe's kicking back in, um, the Cup as well. Um, we're going to be playing midweek more often than not again now. We're not going to have the luxury of playing just at the weekends and we're going to have to rotate and use the squad and use the substitutes well but Motherwell's a huge game for us Motherwell aren't great they're 8th in the league they're, I think they're 40 odd points behind us they're going to struggle to get in the top 6 um, but it doesn't really matter because every game we play in a title race is huge um, we're at home on Saturday they don't play to the weekend I think they're away to Hearts which is a potential banana skin for them so it's, it's huge in terms of p- pressure on them again go the five points ahead and ask them to see what they can do on Sunday. So with all that in mind, I would say strongest team, get the job done hopefully early like we did against Hearts and then just rotate after that and start Ridvan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, listen, it's gonna. I, I'm not going to be blasé about it. I think that Motherwell are far stronger at Fur Park. Um, so I think it gives us the opportunity to be able to come at it from a pragmatic point of view. But I also think, I think what's interesting, Colin, and I'm kind of keen to get your thoughts on this just as we wrap up, but I don't necessarily want to harp about, you know, the previous manager. I'm not trying to suggest any of that. But what I think our previous manager would have done with the result against Kilmarnock would have been to say, I caused that. I, I made those changes. I won us that game. I think that he would have, like to have taken a little bit of the credit for that. But as I think Philippe Clement, his attitude to it now will be, where did I go wrong? Where did yeah. it not start well? What what was my part within that? And I think he'll actually focus on being able to try and get it better rather than simply saying, you know, I'm the one, I've got the glory because I made those changes and it was far more effective. So I think he's going to approach Motherwell with a, almost a slightly different optic because I think that you know, you can use what's happened as a learning experience and almost to a certain extent realise that there's certain things that you can do and certain things that you can't. One of those things being don't start Bonnie Barisic at Rugby Park. But <laughs> again, you might look at Motherwell and being at home and, you know, again, just thinking about the, the, the players available to him. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I really genuinely don't know where Europe sits within his thinking. He's made reference before that the league is a marathon, cup games are a sprint. Now, obviously, we've got some differing cup games coming up um, and our fixtures coming up pretty soon because obviously we've got Europe and then we've got Hibs. But I think he sees the league as, can we 
approach each game in its own merit, but can we also think about where we do manage the, the resources, manage the players, manage the time? So I'll be really interested to see what he does against Motherwell because I think he's learned a lot from Kilmarnock. Yeah, it was just, that's his first time going to Rugby Park, isn't it? And it is a, it's a place where you learn things in terms of the pitch, in terms of how they're up for it. Kilmarnock are a good side. They've, they've, they've troubled every other team in the league apart from us, you know, um, in the last uh, 15, 16 years or whatever it is. They've, they've had plenty of joy against our rivals as well. So it's a huge win for us tonight. Motherwell should not be anything like as high-profile a game or as tricky a fixture as this one was tonight. So I go into Saturday full of confidence. Um, I don't think it matters too much. This is really arrogant, but I'm going to say it. I don't think it matters too much who of this current squad we pick on Saturday. Whoever it is should have enough to beat Motherwell. Um, it's just a case of picking the right players and then using the subs, as I say, at the right time with that look ahead to Europe. Because as much as the league is the number one priority for me, um, it comes before anything. Uh, I'd love us to have a run in Europe again as well. I think we're capable of it. I think that's an interesting tournament we're in with a lot of evenly matched teams, perhaps, with a couple of really big ones in it. Um, I think we've got the beating of Benfica over two legs. Um, so I'm quite interested in how that can go and what that story becomes. But league, first and foremost, go out, get the game won on Saturday and then get players off that pitch as quickly as possible. Fair enough, fair enough. I absolutely understand that. A few of the chaps and I were talking as we were kind of coming out of the game about Obviously, people going to Benfica, going across Portugal, and, uh, and thinking about it, and then thinking, actually, you know, if they're not able to make this one, maybe they'll get another round. And a few of the chaps piped up saying, I couldn't really care less if we don't get through, because obviously it's about the, the fixture schedule and everything else. But That's, well, Listen, you're right with that one, Cammy, because Europe's been so big for us over the last couple of years. It's been, at some points, it's been the, the major thing we're running for. If Benfica knock us out, I'll be absolutely gutted. But while I also think... Okay, we can proper concentrate on domestic matters now. We're not going to have these extra games on a Thursday. We can play our matches on a Saturday. I'm not going to be utterly, utterly devastated as I would be normally. I'd get that completely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, listen, folks, that will do us uh, for extra for this week. David will be back with you as per usual for the flagship on Monday. He'll be unpacking uh, the Motherwell game and obviously looking ahead to our return to the Europa League as well. Um, thank you to the executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers. Thank you to our show sponsor, Zenith Coins. Please check them out at zenithcoins.com. And most importantly, thank you so much to my guests. Thank you for staying up until the wee hours, my friend, to be able to try and do this. Um, we love doing these pods. We love being able to try and talk about our uh, wonderful football club. Um, it's sometimes a labour of love. Rangers put me through it at Rugby Park. But listen, we've stayed up to be able to talk about it. And I'll be honest with you, tomorrow morning, when I wake up, I'll have a nice wee smile on my face knowing that we're still top of the table. Absolutely. I, I, Cammy, I'd talk to you anytime. So always good recording with you, Cammy. Always good being on extra. Thanks, buddy. Check us on out um, at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand because, as I say, you do not want to miss any of the Rangers content that's coming your way. And as Colin rightly pointed out, the games are just getting thicker and faster. Until we speak to you again, folks, have a brilliant weekend. Three points at Ibrox, please, Rangers. And we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you. Podcast Network.